You are listening to something rather than nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. Hello, listeners of Something Rather Than Nothing. This is Ken Vellante. Um, this week we have an episode with Jason Mayo. Uh, really excited for this interview. Uh, author of Tales from Rocky Point, Tales of Rocky Point uh, Park, uh, famous amusement park, uh, long lived, uh, now defunct in the mid 90s, uh, Warwick, or Warwick, uh, Rhode Island. Um, great chat with him coming up. Uh, wanted to talk about the uh, ep- uh, the the program itself, um, the podcast itself. Uh, very happy to be at uh, over 2,750 downloads for the podcast. Uh, really appreciate the support and your interest in, I don't know, philosophy and art and interesting people, which uh, I think that the, the program has. Uh, the Facebook page, which is something that rather than nothing podcast with over 200 fans and a super popular episode with the incredible artist uh, Vanessa Stockard. Uh, it's been downloaded over 200 times, and she's uh, uh, quite the artist if you haven't uh, checked her out, but definitely the, the most popular uh, episode. Um, we got Jason coming up, but I wanted to chat about some other upcoming guests. Uh, we've got a few. Uh, Mishka Shubali, uh, a uh, author, uh, musician, uh, comedian, uh, does a lot of things. Uh, author of The Long Run in Cold Turkey. Discussion about you know his art, um, uh, but also uh, getting sober, uh, which his recent book on Audible uh, is about full turkey. Um, so we're gonna have a good discussion uh, about that, um, you know, art, uh, sobriety, the art lifestyle, um, and also uh, you know my connection to uh, sobriety being uh, alcohol free, uh, sober from alcohol for over ten years. Uh, also. Sarah Bilt of a, uh, a great, I would say, Boomy Blues, Boomy Blues Metal band, Coyote, uh, local uh, here for me, uh, Eugene, uh, Oregon. Uh, the incredible uh, upcoming guest, Joelle Jones, uh, incredible writer, uh, winner of an Eisner Award for her short term, uh, you know, mini series called Lady Killer, uh, artist, uh, really incredible. Incredible work um, uh, for uh, Joelle. You can find her at joellejones.com. Uh, so it's J O E L L E Jones.com. And uh, for Gina, you can probably find her on Insta the easiest. And Mishka Shubali actually has a site as well. It's M I S H K A S H U B A L Y.com couple more uh we got uh well one more guest planned uh matt betray uh p-a-t-r-e-i uh in a band called hopper uh from rhode island does solo work he's also a philosopher uh carpenter um active in in the art scene uh out that way he's also uh has uh masters in social work and uh yeah overall good guy a talented guy um so a lot of great episodes coming up. Uh, uh, another little plug here, uh, Metal Maestra. Um, she's got a Facebook page, a uh, friend of mine who fills in once in a while for a uh, uh, Eugene uh, station, KWVA uh, Metalhead, uh, great uh, metal show. She's trying to get, to get some of her material up uh, for uh, her list of uh, if you're into um, if you're Metalhead like myself i'm uh, gonna ask you if you have the chance to rate the podcast uh, on itunes probably is the easiest way or the most uh, visible way um subscribe to the podcast uh the podcast itself as uh, website is something rather than nothing dot podbean p-o-d-b-e-a-n dot com uh you can comment there that's the source material through the podbean of the uh page of the podcast uh so yeah if you could rate the the episodes or the program itself uh highly or as you see fit would love uh for you to do that 
Um, so yeah, got a lot of great material um, in, in, in very complex, difficult times. I hope everybody who's listening to this is, is doing okay, um, adjusting, surviving um, the health hazard of life in a pandemic, both mental and physical health. Um, I hope uh, the the programs themselves are, uh, you know, of interest and, and help us think about art and think about what we're doing in life um, as we, we experience these difficult times. I want to thank uh, everybody uh, who listens uh, for your support and hope you enjoy the ample content uh, that will be coming out over the next uh, couple weeks. Thanks so much for listening. It's Ken Bolanta with Come with your family Come with your friends That's the Rocky Point tradition Cause it's summertime again Rocky Point is so exciting Rocky Point where you can come alive Rocky Point you're all invited To share a summertime Rocky Point Well yeah before we get started I just wanted to I remember your name from probably MySpace, right? So you you had got maybe some comics from me back in the day, right? Um, very likely. When I saw, given the date, now you had done the comics. Well, it's been a few, it's going back yeah. a little while, right? Two thousand eight. Oh man, yeah, sure. Um, that would probably been the only way. You know, the kind of come in contact with something. I was in Wisconsin at the time. Yeah. Yes. I definitely remember. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, and I had that for for a bit. I kept track of it. I sent you know a copy to my parents and stuff. Everybody loves this stuff. I'm sure people gobbled it up in Rhode Island for a bit there. Um, but yeah, wow, good call. MySpace. I still think it exists. <laughs> I think it's out there. I think it exists. Um, uh, yeah. That goes back. That place is now. You put out the individual comics was about 10, 12 years ago, maybe. Yeah, twelve years ago, and then. Um, well, I don't know. If, is, are we are we rolling now, or just? <laughs> yeah, roll, roll, roll. We're we're rolling. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Um, in, in two thousand and eight, we we um, there was a friend of mine that owns a comic store here in Rhode Island, um, and I was just getting out of Rhode Island College, and I I really wanted to try to put something out into the world. So my buddy had suggested a, a Rhode Island comic, and we, we did an anthology that was called Fib, um, and it was all stories about Providence, and then came to the second issue, and you know, all the other artists had kind of lost their their interest, but um, my friend had suggested Rocky Point, which was the amusement park here in Rhode Island, and I hadn't thought about it for years, so I was just really inspired to... It's hard to explain to people that haven't grown up in Rhode Island, but if you can picture your own childhood amusement park and then, you know, you don't think of that place for 10, 15 years and then you see pictures of what it turned into. And it was just this sort of uh, abandoned sort of Stephen King landscape. Yeah. And and, and we're talking with uh, uh, Jason Mayo uh, from, uh, from Rhode Island. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking about his art and his creativity. Um, one of the big things that brought me to him uh, is, 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 is Tales of Rocky Point, uh, Tales of Rocky Point Park. Um, they were released as individual comics, uh, beautifully done, uh, collected in a volume by the same name, and then a, a documentary a few years ago around a, a really famous uh, park that had been around for such a long time. Uh, in Rhode Island, since uh, Jason was about the mid nineteenth century, eighteen fifty or so, with the yeah, right around there it was uh, actually eighteen forty seven, and before it closed down, it was considered the second oldest amusement park in the country, um, and then it closed in the nineties, and from there, you know, while it sat abandoned, it was you know, dozens of fires over the years, and then sort of around the same time, you had this urban photography sort of pop up on the internet so you would see all these different sites of photographers that would sneak into places and one of them uh from multiple photographers rocky point was uh, a choice of breaking in and then sort of capturing the decay but one of the most interesting sites 
uh, was called Opacity, and that had a message forum along with it. So you'd see the individual rides, you'd see the old buildings, and then people would start speculating, oh, I remember hearing this accident on this ride, and, and this person got killed on this. And that sort of sparked my creativity to start try to search down uh, the legends behind these. Yeah, and then and and um, in, it, it was just a uh, just an incredible. It, it's the type of thing, like you said, like you don't think about it for a while, and I think you prompted my my thinking about it. And also, I had moved out of the area, so the ultimate fate. You know, I went to the University of Rhode Island, nineteen ninety nineteen ninety four, and my last contact with Rocky Point Park would has been like a Beastie Boys and L7 concert. The concerts that they have. Yeah, 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 the Palladium. And, I don't know, Jane's Addiction. So there was this trailing off of, like, you know, Rocky Point. It was near, you know, it wasn't too far, you know, short drive. It's Rhode Island uh, to the park from from the university. But, um, yeah, I kind of didn't know the fate of it, and it played such an outsized role uh you know growing up but let's 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 talk about that jason just go step back a little bit um tell us what it was like uh you know for, for you just in general what kind of kid were you um uh i mean did the the your art your artwork in um tales of rocky point park is 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 incredible you know throwback to the uh you know older style of the horror comics extremely well done in storytelling yeah, yeah, but tell, tell what were you were you always sketching as a kid? I mean, what were you doing as a kid? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I was an only child. Uh, my parents had me when they were pretty young, and they were both artists. Uh, my dad went to RISD, and he sort of got some recognition in Providence. But I, from the moment I can remember, I remember being in like a preschool, and while all the other kids were coloring. Um, I took a piece of paper and and copied the coloring page just to, I don't know why, I just wanted to draw it as opposed to color it. But yeah, then, you know, I don't know, my generation was like, with toys, it was Return of the Jedi, He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers. So, I mean, I was creating these storylines by myself in my room with these toys. But at the same time, it was constantly drawing and you're right that ec horror approach um it was that style of artwork that always um just resonated with me and uh the early mad magazines i would copy i would oh, copy yeah. those famous artists um and so i was always always drawing and it was always a mean and it took me a long time to figure this out but it was always a mean for me to tell stories as opposed to words, they always came through pictures that I drew. Um, and r- my real big break, I think it was around 12. And uh, there was a late night horror host here in Rhode Island in new England. Actually, it was on Fox 64. I don't know if you remember this, but it was called sure, sure. Dr. Mongo's midnight movies. Um, so my mom would let me stay up late and watch these horror movies <laughs> And I remember they had an art contest. Um, so I drew a picture of Dr. Mongo and his uh, apprentice, Quizo, and I got on the show. All right. And so that was, uh, you know, being 12, being 11, being obsessed with movies, comics. And here I was getting to go to a TV station. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was uh, a dream come true back then. And I still have the VHS tape to prove it. Uh beautiful <laughs> i'm so excited for you back then that is awesome yeah. um yeah the, i remember growing up um i think it was it might have been a boston or massachusetts station in rhode island um i think it was channel 56 they used to have creature oh. double feature on saturdays oh yeah and, i remember uh they showed creature from the black lagoon and it was 3d and i remember my mom walking me down to like the cvs to get the glasses get I don't know. the glasses yep yeah we've lived the. Uh, at some points, parallel parallel lives, I'm sure, with with our with with our interests. So, um, so yeah, so it's something you know from a young age you had, um, you know, you had an interest in, and and obviously some some exciting pieces where you're able to be recognized at you know d- doing what you're doing um, well. What um, 
I'm a comic books freak, uh, still am. I'm uh, lucky enough to live, uh, have lived and, and be near Portland, Oregon, which is just a massive hub for the comics industry. Of course, sure. with the coronavirus and the pandemic affecting, you know, that industry amongst all industries, um, you know, that that's been a bit different. But I believe, you know, comics are shipping again as of this week to some of these local stores. But you know, for for you, you know, you obviously like, uh, you know, some comics and things like that. What what type of what type of art, you know, did you enjoy or do you enjoy uh, now as you know, as an enthusiast? You know, it's a great question. Um, it, it's it's tough for me to say. I keep looking back at to that older work. You know, I, I'm not sure why it resonates with me so much, but I don't necessarily have a lot of newer comics. Yeah. Uh, you know, just 10 years ago, I started with the comics. I started looking at contemporary comics. I like Eric Powell, who does The Goon. I don't know if you're... Sure you know, do. Sure do. Yeah. But uh, Black Hole, Charles Burns, that was another one. That, that stark black and white contrast. Absolutely. Um, uh, I'm spacing out on the on the names of... Uh, but but he has... I could see how stylistically with Burns, how you would how you would connect to that. So, and I very much share what, what you're talking about. Sure, there's a lot of new comics. Industry's, you know, different. It's going to be, you know, smaller and then probably, hopefully, grow back up again. But those classic reprints of, uh, you know, the, you know, those 50s comics or, you know, even Marvel and DC had their, you know, haunted, kind of haunted series, Ripley's Believe It or Not. You know, that style has never... I mean, it's been a, it's been continued throughout, and I think a lot of publishers have done a great job with reprints or mm -hmm. higher quality uh, content. And um, I think it's fun when you look at those because I think on the outside, if you're not into comics, you might look at those as being kind of like hokey and strange. And then when you get into some of them, these things are crazy intense. You know, like the reputation they had was partially deserved. <laughs> They're super gory and intense and wild. Um, Oh, sure. Yeah. It, it, it seems to continue to have this resonance. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, uh, going back, I'm just thinking, you know, you, you brought up a lot of uh, memories when you're talking about my childhood. For me, it was always sort of comics and movies. So it was always sort of walking that line but of storytelling. It really goes back to that. So you're a fan of David Lynch. Well, he was, uh, you know, I've read his book. And I'm escaping the title right now, but, you know, he talks about when he was in art school, setting up a painting and he was a painter, but then realized that, well, if I set the camera up, I can actually make the painting move. Right. Was so, it, was it his book, Room the Dream or uh, is it biography the, or is it just a different type of. I think it's called, let's see, I got it on my, Catching the Big Fish is his. I know, catch, I know Catching the Big Fish and it's about. Uh, about his process, about That's his right. transcendental meditation, and images appear. The and and you you try to capture those images in a peaceful state of mind, whatever those nightmares, whatever those dreams were that came up. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's a, a inspirational book for anyone that's uh, looking to enhance their creativity, for sure. Absolutely. It's, it's been a pivotal one for me. His, the book that I had mentioned, we'll geek out for a second on David Lynch. The book I had mentioned, Room the Dream, uh, is very unique and absolutely darkly hilarious at times because he allows somebody to do his biography, and I forget the, the author's name, her name. Um, but after each chapter that she writes, he responds to it. So it's like this biography where it's like she writes something, she gets to write that, and then he responds to it with a non sequitur anecdote or a counterpoint or like you didn't get it quite exactly right. This is what happened. Oh, uh, well, I got to check that out. Yeah, it's called Room the Dream. And added bonus, if you're ever in the position, the audio book uh, is uh, by the author and by David Lynch doing his own section. So it's... Um, you know, I find when he speaks both in that kind of catching the big fish in this room to dream uh, came out a couple years ago. Um, there's so much wisdom. And there's so much um, art process stuff that I, I found it to be a, a, a good guide. And I'm glad you've um, connected some into that. Um, what is 
Jason, what what is art? It's a big question. <laughs> to me, I mean, I think you know, it's a big question. It's it's sort of uh, it's an expression of your uh, innermost feelings, I think. And and to me, art can come in the form of, uh, like I said, film, movies, music. It's an expression of uh, the truest form, you know, and creativity is, is really important to me. Um, and at sometimes it, it can be a little bit of a curse because uh, anyone that's an artist will know that, you know, there's something inside us that compels us to create. Um, and whether it's a comic book, whether it's a script, whether it's a film, you just have to get it out of you and, and into physical reality. Um, so if you've got daily chores, if you've got kids, <laughs> you if you're an artist, you've still got that deep burning passion to uh, to express yourself in, in the creative, you know, in the creative um, motif that you choose. Yeah, I I. In, in a lot of the interviews I've done, um, you know, there's a lot of times it isn't a question of like whether to, you know, to do it. There's this kind of like intense need. I, I say it's like breathing for certain people. It's like how much for an artist, how much is it like to do art for them to be able to breathe? Right. Yeah. And I think in the in in whether in the change in the world, in the pandemic, whether that's open up. The ability to breathe and, and to do your art, or if it stifles it, I think it's a. I think it's been a huge impact on on artists um, being close to them and you know experiencing some of those things. I think uh, you myself. Think, yeah, and I think it could be different depending on you know it's, you know at one point you know we looked at it as sort of well we got a lot of downtime to sort of catch up on projects, but when the world is uh, sort of tipped upside down for everyone it's it's kind of tough to to concentrate on creativity so it's been a battle these these past few months a little bit yeah yeah well i'm glad we're i'm glad we're we're talking now um uh, 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 rocky point we can't leave rocky point too far uh from our field of vision here um you know, again, folks, uh, Jason Mayo, uh, in, 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 uh, just talking about his creative process, uh, he did, um, tales of Rocky point park. And for many people in the new England area, there's going to be, uh, you know, kind of a cool, interesting, nostalgic piece, but, you know, I know Jason just in looking, having, uh, you know, uh, really enjoyed the graphic novel and the documentary, just noticing that there's different parts to this story. Um, you know, when you're talking about the abandoned, you know, people seeing Rocky Point, you know, kind of vandalized and stuff like that, which, you know, an empty space and growing up in Rhode Island, you know, that people are going to monkey around, light things on fire. I, mean, I remember growing up as a kid and even, you know, adults, it's just this kind of mayhem. But, you know, the you know, I'm fascinated by abandoned photography. Um, yeah. So, like, I've really hooked into seeing those images and kind of what they evoke. But Rocky Point was the hub, the place. And I remember walking around a lot of the urban legends, the stories, the accidents, the ghosts of the park. These were active things that if you walked around the park, you ended up with the stories that show up in your graphic novel. It was well, it, that's, it was, it was around. Yeah, that's just it. I mean, it was I remember being on the Skyliner ride, which is very similar to a ski lift for people that haven't uh, been on it. But I remember being on it with my cousin and and him saying, hey, I heard that this guy got killed on this ride and. You know, we didn't have the internet back then, so sure enough, when I started the comic and I started thinking about all these rumors and everything, I, I went down to the Providence Library, researched it, and when you look at it as a whole, uh, I'd say probably 80% of the rumors were true. And the fact that it had been, had been open since 1847, um, it just – it was a good – it was an all-encompassing sort of curse story, and that's sort of where we get into the film aspect. What um, in in the Skyliner is the one I remember again, like you mentioned. Uh, thanks, uh, you know, this uh, ski lift. 
Yeah. There's the always the always the deer at the end of the ski lift up towards the highest part to jump off the small fall, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, dangerous jumping off the rides, but um, you know, the haunted house and everything, uh, the, the house of horrors, what that evoked, and the unlucky flume log, and of course the flume was just a, just a fantastically popular ride in. in Folks might be familiar with flume rides, but you just you're in the kind of uh, floating along on the the, yeah. the log, you know, the makeshift log, and, um, and you go down a huge splash, you know, huge high point down into a splash. And I remember hanging out near the splash area in order to get some relief from that New England summer, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, of course. And and so one thing I don't want to forget to ask in this is. You know, the, these rides, popular, some were cursed, you know, a lot of stories around them. Did we able to ever track down where all or where some of these ended up? And did some of the legends continue? And I'm talking about the rides and the pieces of the park. Well, that's that's very interesting. Well, you know, what was cool. It was like working on the comic. The park was still there in ruins. So uh, like the House of Horrors, for example, all of those ride cars that had the famous monsters painted on them were left inside. Um, at the time, in 1995, there was an auction, and supposedly it sold for $1,000. Now, there was a flume log number 13 that was left inside the shore dinner hall long after the flume had been sold to the Philippines. Um, so I, can, I um, had contacted the city of Warwick at the time, to salvage these pieces, whatever they could. Um, so they're currently in uh, the city of Warwick's either lumber yard or storage yard, but we've gotten them out a couple of times now. We've had some museum exhibits in Warwick, so we've been able to display them. Um, the only thing that I haven't been able to track down is the legendary Viking statue, which used to be essentially the mascot for the House of Horrors. Yeah, tell us about tell tell us about the Viking. The Viking's big. The Viking was um, installed in the haunted house. Um, it was called the Castle of Terror originally, and it was inside. And your car would go by it and actually hit into it. Now there was a lot of rumors that there was a kid that was scalped, and so they had to move the Viking outside of the ride. So it was actually outside of the House of Horrors on the second level. Now. There were several other rumors of a death on the House of Horrors, and mysteriously in the 80s, the Viking disappeared. Well, in the comic, I've used the Viking as sort of a, a cursed motif and the mascot. Um, I don't know where it actually wound up, but one of the buildings that burnt down, I think it was the Cliff House, I had got a, a, a MySpace message from an old employee that said that was the last place that they saw the Viking in the basement. And that's the building that uh, burnt down last. Dang. Well, it, that could have been the, the my and, and listeners, anybody knows about any information regarding the Viking of Rocky Point Park? We'd love to know. Do you think it was? You think it was? It, you think it might have did? Well, it might have disappeared there. There, right? Maybe. It could have, or the other weird urban legend that you know we we heard about uh, was called the Ride Graveyard. So whenever a ride broke down, and this was in the 60s and 70s, as opposed to hauling it away or trying to sell it, well, it was much easier for them to bury it uh, off in the side of the woods. <laughs> so it could very well be buried on the property, which <laughs> after the film was uh, released, the city of Warwick paved over that certain section of the woods. Cover up. That's a typical Rhode Island <laughs> cover up right there. That's true. <laughs> That's that's a typical Rhode Island one. It's too transparent. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad you brought it up, and I'm glad you got a chance to check out the film because, like I said earlier, for me, art, it, my favorite art has always been storytelling. So I think I might have done the comic because it was my easiest way of telling stories. And then once the comic came out, uh, because I – got a reputation for being the Rocky Point guy, what happened was a lot of this old film footage started popping up and people were very willing to share it with me. Um, and before I knew it, I actually had, 
you know, hours worth of old footage and even some of the accidents that I drew in the comic book, I found footage of, which is life imitating art. It was very surreal. Wow. I, uh, well, the, and now there's a Skyliner bumper sticker out here in Oregon. So if anybody, you know, I got that on the car and if anybody recognizes (laughs) that, we're going to be chatting you know, car to car on the freeway, high high five. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, oh yeah, it's 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 a work with a lot of resonance, and um, I'm, I'm I'm really glad um, you you captured a lot of these tales, and and I'm sure when you were working on this, tell me what it's like. Um, there's there's one question I, I wanted to ask. What was it like for you as a filmmaker? And you, you, you're going to talk to a wide array of people about something that, for me, it seems like was when they had an opportunity to tell those stories, there was a lot of positive energy. There was a lot of, you know, you could see people thinking back as they're talking. What was that experience like talking to all those folks connecting back to, geez, their childhood for the most part? Yeah, it's it's uh, an incredible experience because – you know, even when we did the museum shows, I mean, people of Rhode Island and, and we had people that traveled from Florida that were in town and they just, you know, they want to talk about it. They want to be nostalgic. They want to remember the rides with other people. And I think it's something to do with because Rhode Island is so small, we sort of have this uh, group memory of the place and they're all uh good memories for the most part. I mean, that's sort of the irony of the comic is in the film is was the place cursed or do we just miss it? And we're angry that it shut down and it, it didn't ran into decay, you know? Yeah. I think that brought the passion out because when people saw what happened to it, it was like, how did we let this place get like that? Especially with such a special history to us. Yeah, I th- I think that that's that's a big piece, and thanks for, thanks for pointing that out. I um, I, I've been thinking about the 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 park and about the about your work, and then also strangely enough, uh, not too far from me, there's a place called Enchanted Forest, which I actually haven't even been to, and it's a small amusement park. It might even be akin to something like a Rocky Point. I'm gonna we'll see what happens with the pandemic and such, yeah. but I, I hope to get there sometime. Um. It was featured on, uh, you know, I think the guys are from Rhode Island too, the Ghost Hunters, you know, on the Travel Channel, the famous. Oh sure, yeah. Show, I think those guys. When I, I gotta watch the episode, and I'll do so soon. Um, you know, visited Enchanted Forest because this is supposedly, uh, you know, it's about fifty minutes from here. It's uh, supposedly haunted. The grounds are haunted. So, um, me uh, kind of connecting back to your work and thinking about this up the road, I'll be sure to get you an update whether there's anything going on over. <laughs> <laughs> over here across yeah, the country sure. um yeah. uh, uh a, a question right now um that i uh invite you to answer one of two ways um my general question is about uh pandemic and what you, what you feel uh is, is is happening to art or its impact of art or maybe if it's not just art i'm talking about horror right so yeah. i talk to um kind of like like uh, some metal folks and maybe some folks who are into making like horror movies and things like that. It, it, you know, is there a resonance of, you know, when there's aspects of life that feel like horror or like this situation <laughs> we're facing, like what, what's going on here? Uh, what, what's the role of art or what's the role of horror in a pandemic as an art, art artistic expression? Well, that's, that's another good question. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I always loved horror growing up and I had an aunt that, you know, told my mom I she was worried that I was going to be a serial killer, but it wasn't <laughs> of course. <laughs> it wasn't because I loved uh hurting people or or death or anything like that. I, and I think ultimately it was an escape from the real horrors of life. So I was sort of channeling my own fears and escaping them through this fictional fear. So <laughs> jump yeah. flash forward to now it's like oof I don't know what to think, honestly. And uh, I'm in I'm in my little basement studio now uh, that I've been able to set up during the pandemic because I was upstairs. Um, but 
I haven't been able to quite focus, you know? So it's, it's scary. I mean, I don't know. And I think the fact that I have some little ones, I've got uh, a three-year-old and a five-year-old, you know? So sure. I've tried to put any fear out of my mind, but what are your thoughts on it? I want to know what Ken's thoughts are. Oh, well, that's uh, you can turn the tables. I, uh, I, um, I, I've found, you know, I've asked this question of guests, but also for me, uh, I have found that for me, I've been positively positioned to be able uh, to to do art. And I think, you know, uh, I work as a labor rep, so I work this absolutely completely insane, baffling job that I enjoy and that I'm very good at. Um, but I've only started to develop more of a deliberately artistic uh, component to what I do through the podcast, um, you know, conversations and collaborating with you and others and creating this, but also with painting uh, in short writing uh, that I do and with with photography. And I found that being home for me, where a lot of times late hours and things like that kind of take me away from home, I've enjoyed being home and and, sure. and, and, and and present and be able to do these things for quite some time. My big thing that I've encountered in talking to other artists, so I, I think for me, I've been able to create, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's helped help me um, at times it's stifling. I've been worried about folks who are artistic types where some move into it and kind of keep going and doing, you know, just do their thing and maybe a little bit of extra time. But other folks are like, holy shit, the fucking world is collapsing. Uh, like people are dying. Like, yeah. when can I ever go out again? And let's just say their artistic craft is compromised in that. Yeah, in that, I think in, I'm so in that. Field. Yeah. I think I'm somewhere in the middle where I'm, I'm sort of waiting to see what's going to happen. But certainly the uncertainty of the future, it's, it's scary, you know. But uh, I think the other thing, too, we brought up work. And I, I feel very fortunate that I'm able to create art and to draw for my job. So maybe there's a little bit of uh, this now, this home time is a little bit of time off for me. And, I, and I'll get back into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, the... Um... <laughs> It's it's it, I think it's impacted folks in different ways, and and part of the thing is like even with the podcast itself, I never felt like any desire to like kind of like put it on mothballs or anything because it's like I have freedom in doing it. I enjoy talking to interesting people. Um, it's a blast. I think uh, people enjoy it. But all that is like you ask the question. It's a philosophy like podcast, so you ask questions, and I ask like, why the fuck am I doing a podcast in the pandemic? You know, like it's a re. It's like it's fine for me to do. It's fine for us to do, but like that fundamental question, you know, yeah. kind of lingers. Like, what are what are we supposed to do with our time right now? Because things have changed radically. So, well, I think you're making the the, the best of it, man. I think you're supposed to be doing this podcast during this. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so yeah, and and it's one of the things in talking to artists and just seeing how they're uh, processing through this. And I I always thought like my my interesting thing and maybe you'll see it in a couple episodes coming up is you know things like music right like if you play dark music if like you're into doom metal like i have a couple guests coming up where i'm going to want to talk to them and being like you know the the doom the the doom feels less abstract now or the sound of doom feels yeah uh, do you still want do you still they, they're probably going to listen to the grateful dead now no, they're gonna go. They're gonna go for the grateful. You're absolutely right. All the metalheads are gonna kind of finally go down that track of just chill out. <laughs> um, uh, gotta, gotta the 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 big something rather than nothing question. But before that, Jason, um, what about um? Can you just tell us a little bit about your work process? As far as I know, you know, you you, you create things. You do some stuff within film. You do storyboards. I don't understand exactly you know, storyboards and things like that can you just kind of say a little bit about some of that creative work you've done yeah absolutely well uh, like i said i mean drawing with pictures uh writing with pictures was always what i was after and um after i had put the comic books out i had been working in film in new england and from there um i had that comic book as a portfolio piece to show different directors that came to town so 
um, something that a storyboard artist does is is work directly with the filmmakers, being the director, the producer, the cinematographer, and they're actually drawing out scenes from the script. So it's always different. Sometimes the director will do little stick figures, and if you can picture it in your head, it's it's almost like seeing a film how you would see it on the screen uh, in an edit line. So. Uh, one of the biggest films that I had the opportunity to work on was The Town, and the director was Ben Affleck. So got to work with him for three months. I have about five binders of the whole film. So essentially, uh, if, if you've ever seen a behind-the-scenes featurette, you'll see the little picture, the drawing, the storyboard in the, the left-hand corner of the screen. Oh, wonderful. That, okay. That's actually – they use it as a roadmap to, first of all, uh, flesh out anything that they don't want to shoot and really whittle down that sequence so that when they get to the location, they've got it all on paper. Um, and as opposed to a comic book, it's got to be drawn really fast. So, you know, there's no inking. It's really just sort of uh, loose sketch sketches. Um, and the same goes for, you know, drawing at home. Or I try to think of it just like I said, uh, different editing. So if you're using an editing, if you've got all this video footage, you're sort of piecing to, together um, in a story form where those shots go. I don't, I don't know if that explains things. Yeah, it um, it, it it does. And I want to give the you know listeners a little bit of a connection to that um, and with film and kind of like visual representation. Um, you know, I, I picked up on the pieces and the components of, of you as an artist. I mean, you're talking about storytelling. You're talking about, like, your art style in a way to do your storytelling with, with graphic novels. And just seeing that connection to, you know, with film and images of, you know, how how do you tell the story and give folks the the feel for what you would see. You're su successful in that in Tales of Rocky Point Park. You have to be successful in that to convey the feeling of that era, to, the, the, the aesthetics of what's going around, what Rocky Point looked like. And you're successful in doing that. And I think that's that's the piece when you do that and, and represent it and tell that story. Uh, folks, folks can connect to it, you know, Rocky Point for Rhode Islanders and New Englanders, but also folks everywhere they you know they go an amusement park when your kid is i don't know what it's still like for kids but for me even right now it's like one of the best days of the year no matter what <laughs> yeah and you know uh I, I gotta tell you that one of the most rewarding things about producing that book it's uh and i've had numerous kids over the years that are now adults <laughs> believe it or not never got to experience the park when it was open but somehow through the the illustrations and the information just sort of became obsessed with the place you know and and to me yeah. that's above any sort of monetary compensation i mean to that's the ultimate reward to to be appreciated and have your art be appreciated yeah it, it, that's that's a that's 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 a huge connection um for folks to be able to move in move into that particular world that particular uh time and rocky point itself just subject to so many you know i'm just watching you know being from Pawtucket, rhode island just seeing it right on the water and you know hurricane hurricane flood fire yeah. it's like you know it's just being around for long enough there's like just those incredible like build it back up and then here's the next iteration of rocky point and uh you know i think it's i think it's pretty cool that there's pieces of it that are that are still out there and of course why not that the mystery is going to continue about you know where some other some other pieces are it, it kind of you know there's it's a little bit of a investigation still to happen or keeping your eyes on the uh on, sure. On, on yeah. the internet <laughs> for the for the Vikings showing up somewhere across the world. Well, yeah, and the other positive too is, uh, I think because of the public, you know, there was another film when the comic came out called "You Must Be This Tall," and then there was the the comic books, and then the adaptation, and then the city and the state finally acquired that land back and were able to clean it up. So it is an open space park now, and they've got little um, informational signs as to say, while well, the House of Horrors stood here. And a lot of the text is actually from the comic book. So you can go and read the urban legends now if you if you take a trip back here. Yeah, I um, I didn't see those signs. I know I, 
I, just a few years ago, I was over near the grounds and um, it had shifted over. I forget what access was like. I think it was just a time of the year where it was just too freaking cold out. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I saw some of the main highlights. And uh, but it was a few years ago, so I'm not sure what what stage it was at. But I'm um, definitely. Uh, when I make my way back over there, um, uh, take a look at that. Uh, talking with Jason Mayo, talking about Rocky Point, his creative process. Um, Jason, the, the the big question, why is there something rather than nothing? Uh, that's sort of the existential question, right? Yep. You know, for me, creating something is 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 the goal. It's that creative curse. When you can create something out of nothing, you're you've given um, art to the people, essentially. Yeah, I I, I like that. Um, you know, uh, before um, I give you a little bit of information to to listeners about you know where to find your work, uh, I got an upcoming guest, uh, Joelle Jones, who won an Eisner Award within comics for. Uh, a comic that I think you like if you have encountered called Lady Killer. Extremely gory horror, but it also takes place in this kind of, I don't know, timeless, like back, I don't know, it's like 50s, 60s, 70s. I'm not sure when it's supposed to be, but kind of like this dual suburban uh, life that she holds. And it's kind of a throwback style with lots of macabre uh, elements. So, uh, yeah, Joelle Jones, you're going to probably want to catch that episode because um, she's, she's quite the kick. And I think you'll, I think you'll dig um, the aesthetic uh, of yeah, Joelle Jones. Um, but that's Joelle in the future. About you, Jason, uh, to tell before we depart here, um, tell, uh, tell folks, uh, listeners, how to connect with uh, the stuff you do, how to connect with you, your work, whatever you'd like to share. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I've got a, an online portfolio that uh, you could check out my work and a little bit about me and some of my projects. It's just www.jasonmayo.com. And then if you're interested in the uh, Rocky Point stuff, you can also check out talesofrockypointpark.com. Thanks for those. And um, Jason, I have to tell you, it's it's been a blast talking to you. Um, super excited about this program, about the work that you do. Um, thank you for the time and all the countless hours you put into it, because I know for myself and a lot of people come in contact with it. It is uh, there's a nice emotional resonance. There's a there's this kind of you know the bizarre curiosity or whatever component it is that you, that you put out there. It's it's a real um, joy to. Um, to connect with and i hope we get a chance you know maybe in the in the near future to um uh, to chat again and maybe explore some more of these themes and uh you know talk about what you, what you're up to but i uh, wanted to give you deep thanks for joining uh the podcast program and, and spending some time here oh ken thank you very much and, and thank you very much for what you do and if i could just say let's everyone try to just stay positive and and see what happens next and not let the the horrors of the world affect our our creativity hey thanks brother i couldn't have said it better than myself jason mayo great pleasure thanks again uh take care see ya bye bye If you enjoyed that episode with uh, Jason Mayo and uh, connected to Rhode Island, I just wanted to mention, give a shout out to the Cumberland High School class of 1990. Uh, that was my graduating class in Northern Rhode Island. And uh, they've done a great job uh, fundraising amongst the class uh, for uh, the Northern Rhode Island Food Pantry. Um, and I'm gonna give you that website right now. It's NRI foodpantry.org and having raised thousands of dollars uh, for that uh, the Cumberland High School class wanted to thank everybody for their efforts uh, doing that and if you're able to make a contribution or, uh, or or to help with that project particularly if you're in Rhode Island um, go to that website and tell them Cumberland High School uh, class of 1990 something rather than nothing podcast uh, sent you uh, thanks for your consideration for that. Um, uh, one final note, uh, future guests from Spelt Dog, uh, 
uh, productions and uh, producers of the show Dead Friends, which you can find on YouTube. Paige Henderson and Nicole Murray will be on an upcoming episode and uh, really excited to talk to them and their close collaboration as well as, um, you know, discussing the, uh, the art of uh, acting and uh, work on their series and uh, have a great uh, bit of a table read where they can do a, a scene or two from uh, the series. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. Paige Henderson uh, and Nicole Murray. And again, their uh, YouTube show, uh, Dead Friends, which I've seen every episode. And it's a lot of fun uh, and very, very well done. I think you'd enjoy your your time uh, moving through those uh, short episodes. Uh, it's Ken Vellante from uh, Something Rather Than Nothing. And wanted to thank you for your support of the uh, podcast. Have a great day. <laughs>